This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. And a very good era of Pesach to all of you. Well, it's close to the Seder. We're almost there. All the hard work, all the preparation, everything behind us. And we're ready to go. The chametz has been sold. The chametz has been put away. The remnants have been burnt. And now we can concentrate on the actual festival of Pesach, an important festival because it speaks to us about one of the most essential elements of our lives, the idea of Yitziat Mitzrayim, going out of limitations and restrictions. We all have limitations and restrictions. We all have certain dimensions of life that holds us back. We have certain narrow areas of our lives. We have certain, well, challenges in life. Life is all about trying to understand those challenges, meeting those challenges correctly, and liberating ourselves to whatever degree we can. And this is what Pesach is all about. Pesach is a festival where God has given us a certain divine energy through which and by which we are able to actually develop a sense of liberation. We are able to break away from the Meitzarim, the restrictions, the limitations, those boundaries that hold us back. And of course, Pesach is a wonderful festival. The family sits together, we sit around, there's all sorts of activity within the Seder. But the Seder is a very ordered and structured event. It's called Seder, which means order. We go from one to another to another to another. And while, of course, each one has incredible significance and each one has importance, we start with Kaddish, making Kiddush. It's not only making Kiddush, but creating an atmosphere of Kiddushah, of sanctity, to create an environment around the Seder table that everybody begins to feel something very special is taking place. And special doesn't necessarily mean the wonderful types of foods that are prepared. May it so be. People should, in fact, have a wonderful festive meal at the Seder. But Kaddish means an environment of holiness where something altogether different takes place. It's sanctified. It is holy. It is something which is special. And therefore, you begin to look at everything that you do, at everything that you say. You look at the people around the table, and you feel, you sense something special, something extraordinary is taking place. And therefore, we have to participate in an altogether different way as well. It's not enough simply to be there. It's not enough simply to participate on a superficial level. There has to be a certain amount of interaction, of activity. This is something special that's taking place. And this energy is felt. This energy is there. This energy is there in great measure, and it's something that we have to be cognizant of. And this is a Seder. We go from one to another to another, because in order to achieve something in life, you have to go through a particular process. Yes, from time to time, you can leap forward. You can, well, just take 10 steps. But generally in life, in order to achieve something, you need to go through a proper structure, a proper order. And this is what the Seder is all about. It's Yat Mitzrayim, coming to a state of liberation, of freedom. You have to go through a process of one stage to another. And each one has, as I said before, its significance, its importance. Each one has something special to tell us. Each one releases a different dimension of freedom potential within us. And this is something that we have to do and we have to concentrate on. You know, unfortunately, we live in a world where, well... We no longer take spiritual things as seriously as we should. And this is why very often the Seder becomes a bit of a mundane activity. It's the festive meal, it's the food, it's the, well, the 
people sitting around and having a good time, which is there. But at the same time as well, we should truly take advantage of those dimensions that exist within the Seder structure that is able to give us, well, as I said before, releasing dimensions of potential freedom and liberation within ourselves. And that indeed is a huge and great gift. And this is why the Seder has to be followed. We have to understand each moment of the Seder, but each dimension of the Seder is there to tell us something. It comes at a particular time, it comes in a particular order, and this is the way we can achieve whatever we have to achieve during the festival of Pesach, and particularly at the Seder. But even before the Seder starts, late in the afternoon, some people do it after Mincha, we read about the Korban Pesach, the Passover offering, the Passover sacrifice that the Jewish people for the first time were commanded to do while still very much within Egypt before the great moment of liberation. And the Korban Pesach speaks to us about something which is very important, and that is pride, a sense of publicly declaring who and what we are. And this is one of the reasons why the custom among many people is to actually read the Seder Korban Pesach, the order of the Passover sacrifice, that although we cannot bring it at this time because the temple isn't standing, but nonetheless, the fact that we study it, the fact that we read it, the fact that we go through it, in a sense, gives us some of the benefits, some of the advantages that this important mitzvah, this important commandment had. And this is the ability to stand up and say, this is who I am and this is what I am, and I'm proud to be who and what I am. And very often, it's difficult to do something like we're embarrassed, we're shy, we're afraid of what the neighbors might say, we're afraid of what our friends might say, we're afraid of truly expressing our own identity in a strong way because somehow we don't have the courage, we don't have that strength within us to say, this is who I am. And another reason is very often we don't know who we are. And this is why it's important to understand that in order to achieve the dimension of liberation on Pesach, a person has to understand himself. So very much within the Seder activity, there will be all sorts of moments and situations where we can actually begin to understand ourselves, to see ourselves, to know ourselves on a far more profound and deeper level. This is something which the Seder is all about. And although, as I said before, the Passover sacrifice as such cannot be brought until the temple is rebuilt, nonetheless, the awareness of what it represents, of what it means, is there in order to remind us that we are able to achieve these great dimensions of pride, of self-awareness, even at a time when we live in exile. And again, this is something which is said before the Seder, because in order for us to understand what the Seder is all about, we have to remember what in fact took place when the Korban Pesach was brought, when the temple was standing. We come to the Seder, and the very first thing we do is we make Kiddush, as I said before, we sanctify the day, we celebrate the day, this is a time of holiness, and this is a time of divine blessing, of divine energy, and it's important to emphasize what 
holiness is all about. Holiness doesn't mean otherness. Holiness does not necessarily mean escaping from the physical realm, escaping from the mundane dimension of the world. No. We sit around the table and we go through physical activities in order to remind us that holiness is something which must penetrate every single dimension of life. And it's not only every single dimension of life, but every circumstance of life, every moment of life, every situation that we encounter, that we are involved in and with, is something that could and should be permeated with a sense of holiness, with a sense of greatness, because it gives those moments, those situations, meaning. There is nothing greater than having meaning in life, meaninglessness not having purpose, not knowing who we are. This is a great tragedy. A person goes through life never, never understanding the true potential that they possess and the true levels of liberation and freedom that they're able to achieve. And nothing makes sense. Nothing has meaning. Everything is mundane and ordinary and plain. Kaddish tells us that we are able to take great dimensions of God's divine energy and introduce them into every single area of life into the most basic which is time the kids we speak about the time and the understanding that every single moment is something which can become holy and this is the first stage of liberation this is the first stage of becoming free to know that there is purpose in life to know that there is meaning in life when it's not here we're not here as a result of the accident of all sorts of biological situations we're here with a divine plan with a divine purpose and we are the instruments th- instruments through which this divine purpose can be fulfilled and this is why it's important for us to know full well that Kaddish, we are able to bring a sense of meaning and purpose into our lives. That every single day as we wake up, we begin to see that dimension of holiness. We begin to feel that purpose. We begin to appreciate that something extraordinary is taking place. This is what Kaddish is all about. This is the first stage of freedom. This is the first stage of development. This is the first stage of breaking away from the restrictions and limitations of life, mortal This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. We're talking about liberation, we're talking about freedom, we're talking about making the Seder something which is special, something which is exciting, something which brings about a true sense of freedom. Yes, as I said before, it is a time for family to get together, it is a time to have an enjoyable encounter with all those who are sitting around the table. But in order to do that, it's also equally important to understand the divine energy that exists during this time. And when we use it correctly, we tap into a tremendous source of energy and greatness. And as I said earlier on, the Seder itself, the order, the process, the very second thing we do after Kiddush is Yachatz. We take the middle matzah and we break it in half. Now the matzah itself is a sign of humility. The matzah itself is a sign of, well, here we are. We are humble people. What does humble mean? Humble means there's something greater than you. You acknowledge something greater than you. What brings about arrogance? Arrogance comes about as a result of the fact that you think to yourself that you are the single most important aspect of all of creation. And in many ways you are. But the point is, unless you understand the responsibility that goes with that sense of awareness, it becomes something which is negative. It becomes something which is purely arrogant. 
Whereas when we understand that we have to live a matzah life, humble, to know that there is a creator above us, to understand that there's something who brought us into being someone who guides our lives in a very, very real and ordered sort of way. The humility brings tremendous insight into self. But we go a step further. We break the matzah in half. And breaking the matzah in half symbolizes, again, a deeper dimension of this absolute necess- absolute humility which is so necessary. And this is why when we say anya, the bread of our affliction or the bread of our poverty, what does poverty really mean? Poverty means that I need something. Poverty means that I'm missing something. Poverty means that I am not completely fulfilled, materially or spiritually, but poverty means an impoverished person is one who doesn't have certain basic elements of life certain basic necessities of life. And this is why the impoverished need to be helped in all sorts of ways. And this is the matzah, we say, this matzah that we broke, this matzah that we talk about, this bread of our affliction, this bread of our poverty, it reminds us that we are in need, and there's nothing wrong with being in need. Because being in need tells us we have something missing and we have to do whatever we can in order to fulfill that need in a proper and positive manner. And this is something which we have to do every single day of our lives. Seder tells us how to do it symbolically and with the divine energy of God's blessing on this day. But basically, the humility is not something on its own that you're humble and you see yourself as something which is small, a creation rather than a creator. No, the humility has to urge you on, drive you to fulfill even greater dimensions in life, something which I need, something which I'm missing, something which causes me to feel unfulfilled. I have to search and look for that which can, in fact, make me whole, make me complete, give humility purpose, and make me understand my purpose on this earth. The most interesting thing at the beginning of the Seder, of course, is, well, the carpus. You take some, well, some people take onion, our custom is to take onion, some people take potatoes, some people take other things, some vegetable, and dip it into salt water. And there's so much written about the meaning of carpus. At the end of the day, there is no meaning to it other than piquing the interest of the children. The children sitting around the table wonder, what are we doing? Why do we take this bit of vegetable, onion, potato, whatever the case might be, and dip it in to the salt water. And they ask, why? What is this all about? Because part of the Seder is encouraging the idea of asking questions. Asking questions is something which is essential to the Seder, as we'll soon explain. Asking questions is something which can provoke answers as well. What is a question? A question is a situation of uncertainty, of darkness. I don't know, and this is why I ask. If I would know, I wouldn't ask. A question symbolizes the idea that a person is bereft of certain things, in a state of uncertainties, in a state of non-clarity, and this is why you ask a question. It doesn't matter what the question, every single question presupposes the notion that you are in the dark about something. What is an answer? An answer brings light into that darkness. An answer brings purpose and meaning into that darkness. And this is the question and answer process that takes place during the Seder. 
the young child, and some people have the custom that everybody around the table says the Manishtana. And we say, why is this night different than all other nights? And of course it's different. The whole structure of the Seder, the whole event, the whole celebration is something which is altogether different. We don't have it on any other festival. Yes, on Sukkot, we go into a Sukkot. We make... Kiddush, but then the meal goes on. Shabbat, we make Kiddush, and the meal goes on. And over here, there are all sorts of activities that take place, and the child begins to wonder what that is all about. And soon thereafter, we speak about the four sons, the four children, the Chacham, the wise son, the Russia, the wicked son, the Tam, the simple son, and the She'eni Yodei the one who can't even ask. And it's interesting to note that the Haggadah says, Echad, it's not one, two, three, four in order to give a hierarchy of importance. This is the number one, and this is number two, and this is number three, and this is number four. Each one is echad, a unit, one, unique, absolutely unique. And again, the question, why do we emphasize that degree that we do? Now, Pesach is an interesting time, because on the one hand, it's a time of remembering what happened in the past. It's a time of recalling the great miracles that took place in Egypt, the plagues, the destruction of this terrible, terrible people, the liberation of the Jewish people. The Jewish people become a nation. They march out with pride, with greatness. They come to the idea of true Yitzhak Mitzrayim. All that is contained within the Haggadah again and again and again tells us about those wonderful, wonderful events. Yes, we spend a few moments in speaking about how they made our lives bitter and they hurt us and they enslaved us in the most terrible way, materially and spiritually. We talk about those difficult, dark, challenging moments. But at the same time, basically what we're talking about are these incredible events that took place in the past. Because, as we often say, without knowing where you come from, without knowing your history, without knowing your origins, without knowing the stories that preceded you, you don't know who you are. In order for you to know you have to say that Abadim we were slaves on to Pharaoh, we have to go through a long historical discussion, conversation about who we are and where we come from. But equally important is that we have to talk about the future as well. And what represents the future? The future is represented by children. Because children, after all, they become the standard bearers of the next generation. You can have the most incredible history, but if you don't have a destiny, if you don't have a future, something is wrong. And in each and every single generation, we are the links between the past and the future. And in order for us to be authentic links in this incredible chain of life, in the incredible chain of Jewish history, it's important for us to understand the responsibility of telling the story honestly and correctly, telling the story of the past. It's not good enough to say, well, once upon a time this happened or that happened. No, we have to go through in detail the mitzvah of telling the story is something which is essential to the whole 
Pesach activity to the whole Seder structure. We have to tell the story with a tremendous sense of honesty, of truth. We have to tell the story as it happened. We can't omit anything. You know, very often you find people who, well, have difficulty with talking about the great miracles that took place in the past, and they seem to either disregard it or poo-poo it, and they speak about Jewish history in some sort of general historical sense. That's not good enough. We have to tell the story as it happened, and this is why the mitzvah of fulfilling, telling the story, which is an essential part of the whole Seder experience, is something which everyone has to do, no matter who you are. That the Haggadah says we are all obligated to tell the story and the ones who take extra time and tell the story in greater detail in greater dimension they are the ones who in fact are blessed in greater dimension as well we have to present in order to be authentic people we have to present our history in the most honest way and we talk about every single detail that brought us to this point But equally so, as I said before, in order for us to be authentic, we have to pass it on to the future. We have to make sure that our children are going to take that story and make it their own as well. They are going to take that story and make it part of their lives and, please God, pass it on to their children. The necessity of being authentic at the Seder table means you tell the history honestly, but you have the strength and desire to pass it on to the next generation with clarity and purpose as well. And this is why you look around the table and you see different type of people because God creates different type of people. There's a Chacham, there's a wise son. There is the son. It doesn't mean the righteous son necessarily. He's a wise son. And because of his wisdom, he understands certain things in a particular sort of way. And he asks a unique question. And you have to listen carefully to that unique question. Because in order for you to pass it on to the future generation, you can't say, well, I have four children sitting around the table. I have ten children sitting around the table. I'm going to designate one who will be the standard bearer that will take this forward into the future. No, each and every one of those children have the right, the duty, the privilege of becoming those standard bearers. And we have the responsibility of communicating to each and every single one individually in a relevant sort of way. We have to know their question. We have to understand them. What do we say? Chacham Mahu Omer. The way he speaks, we have to listen carefully to the words, to the tone, to, well, what is he really saying and where is he coming from? Because in order for him to become an active participant in taking the history and carrying it forward into the destiny, we have to do it in a way that is relevant to that particular child. We have to tell him an honest story, but we have to listen to his particular character. And even the wicked son. We come to the wicked son. We say to ourselves, well, after all, he's wicked. Why should I waste time? Why should I spend time listening to what he has to say? He's cynical. He's angry. He behaves badly. Why do I have to listen to his negativity? Why do I have to listen to what he has to say? One of the sages points out something interesting, that the four sons are represented by the four cups of wine. 
And the second cup of wine, which represents the Russia, a second cup of wine is how we spend the majority of the Seder time telling the story at great length, the story of the Haggadah. And it's interesting that it's specifically to the wicked son that we have to spend far more time talking, explaining, showing. To go beyond, Hakei Yashinov, take the teeth out of his argument, take the negativity, and try to listen to what he's saying. After all, the Russia is probably experiencing a deep sense of frustration about himself, about his Yiddishkeit, about where he comes from, about what he has to do in this world. And even though the language that he uses and the character that he displays is one that is negative and angry and cynical and biting, go beyond that to hear what he or she has to say and spend a long time talking, arguing, debating, but bring the authentic story to him, to her as well. You can't simply write them off by saying, well, after all, they're wicked people. Everybody, to a certain degree, has a dimension of wickedness. And this is why the commentaries point out that each and every one of us has a dimension of all four sons. Not, I am the Chochaman, I am the Russia, I am the wise son, I am the wicked son, I am the simple son, and I am the one who can't ask. Each and every one of us possesses the character and qualities of all four. Yes, some might be more dominant than others, but nonetheless, each and every one of us possesses those dimensions in life that give us the particular character that we have. And we have to, as responsible parents, and parents does not only mean parents in the simple sense of the word, but parents, the ones who take the past and pass them on to the children who they in turn will pass on to the future. These are the parents, these are the responsibilities that we have to do. Whoever leads the Seder, and whoever leads the Seder at the Seder table is not only the one who reads the words out loud, but he is the one who has to create the environment, the atmosphere, where the four sons are heard and heard carefully. A simple son as well. He might ask a very, very naive question. Mazati said, what is this all about? He doesn't have the language. He doesn't have the knowledge. He doesn't have the insight to see the many... He doesn't even have the anger that the Russia has. It's just, what is this all about? He's a bit confused, a bit well, overcome by all of this. What is this strange activity all about? Looking at Yiddishkeit. And we have to turn to that individual and talk to him to explain that he has to expand upon his question. He has to understand what this is all about and how, in fact, he or she play a specific and dynamic and important role in doing all of that in a particular sort of way. And, of course, to the child who can't ask... The child who can't ask can't ask for a number of reasons. Number one, because they are so distant and far away. They don't even know what they have to ask. And they don't even know that they're allowed to ask. He's a she'eni yodeh He doesn't know that he's allowed to ask. And this child sits at the Seder table wondering what is this all about and can't even formulate questions within his or her mind in order to somehow come to terms with the experience that they're going through. And how many people are like that? They are dumbfound. They are simply sitting around, looking at life, looking at the world, looking at their history, not knowing what's really going on, and not even having the language, the internal language of asking the question that is necessary. 
And to that child we turn around and we make all sorts of overtures and gestures to encourage that child to ask a question. We take the history, we make it palatable, we make it relevant even to that child. And all of this is taking place at the Seder table. All of this is taking place at a time when there is an incredible energy of divine liberation potential within this particular environment. And we have to tap into it. And this is why the one who leads the Seder, and we all, to a lesser or greater degree, lead the Seder of life. All of us have to fulfill those things with incredible responsibility and joy. And as we go further throughout the entire Haggadah, more and more and more and more in detail, the story of great people, the story of our history, the story, and we talk about, well, the miraculous existence of the Jewish people, the survival of the Jewish people, the incredible miracle of simply being here after all these generations of such onslaught, of such difficulty, whether the onslaught of assimilation or tyranny or whatever it was throughout history, we are all part and parcel of a miraculous existence, and we have to celebrate, and we have to tell the story with a sense of joy, with a sense of greatness. This is why when we come to the Seder table, we really have to experience that dimension of greatness in the fullest sense of the word with a tremendous sense of joy and purpose. We have to celebrate the Seder with an understanding that we are chains, an incredible link, and we have to take the past, and we have to pass it on to the future. We have to encourage the children to participate. And this is why one of the reasons why we have the Afikoman, where they grab the Afikoman and hide it, and when you have to redeem it, you have to give them a gift. And we sing the songs, and we tell the story, and we sit around the table, and we try to make sense of who and what we are. And this is why tonight, when you sit at the Seder table, make the most of it. Ask the questions. Have the courage to listen carefully. Have the courage to answer honestly. Listen to the stories, listen to what everyone is saying, interact, come together, bring about an atmosphere of joy, of purpose, of greatness. May each and every one of you have a wonderful and joyous Pesach. May you fulfill all the mitzvahs at the Seder table, eating the right amount of matzah and the maror, the bitter herbs, and the four cups of wine or grape juice, whatever you're using. And of course, to go through the whole Seder, to go through the whole process, to go through the whole order and reach that moment and to shout at, at the end, the Shana Habavi Yerushalayim, in the coming year, and by coming year we mean doesn't mean next year, it means immediately. May we all be in Jerusalem with the coming of Mashiach, where we all achieve the full and complete sense of liberation. Have a wonderful Pesach, enjoy every moment, enjoy your families, but above all, make it meaningful, make it real, make it great. Good Yantav.